Welcome to Nasra Reviews. This is Brian, your host. And this week's episode was like, tried to watch three movies, and this is the one that I ended up making the fucking podcast about. Because I tried See No Evil, which is a WWE movie where Kane is the big bad guy with a hook on a chain, and every single one of the, like, seven characters in that movie were so obnoxious pieces of shit and they didn't do anything with anything set up it was terrible so i skipped that one and then i was going to watch this other one called the woman about a the last member of a cannibal thing but i got like five minutes into it and all i saw was her running sleeping eating all on the screen at the same time and then they went back to her sleeping and i'm like i'm not gonna watch a movie that replays everything every five minutes so then i landed on the one that we're actually going to do the episode on which is the lords of salem which is a rob zombie movie that i've known about for a long time but i've never gotten around to watch it and i probably made some comments previously about rob zombie movies in this podcast but i don't really like them for the most part and the reason is, it's a bunch of horrible rednecks, or hillbillies, or hellbillies, or whatever you want to call them, being vulgar, mean, and murdered. That's typically something you want to see one character, or maybe two characters in a movie have happen. Like, they're the annoying pieces of shit that you want to see die, and then they die. But most Rob Zombie movies, every character is that character. So it's like, why do people like these kind of situation I have going on here? But this one was more uh, artsy, I would say. And there's a shitload of people in this movie that are in other things. Most of them are Rob Zombie movies as well. So let's get to the cast first. Of course, in the lead, we have Sherry Moon Zombie. That's not surprising at all, considering all the rest of the movie she's in. Meg Foster's in it. She is one of those actresses that is good at playing a bad guy character because she has, like, these striking, I don't even know how to describe it, piercing eyeballs. And she's, like, always super skinny and, like, I don't want to say malnutrition, but I don't know. I can't describe it. She's, like, angular. But I don't typically like her in shows, like, she's been in... I just learned this today, actually. She is uh, in Overlord. And if you haven't seen Overlord, you probably should watch it. Uh, she's the aunt. I did not know that. The aunt's in a lot of makeup in that movie. So that's probably why I didn't notice it. But the... Other than Rob Zombie stuff, like, he's she's in 31 for, like, no reason. Uh, she's in uh, They Live. So that's a good one. I mean, she's does great in that movie so it's not like she's a bad actress or anything i just don't like the role she played oh i forgot until just now she's in uh, jeepers creepers 3 that movie i couldn't finish watching because it was so terrible but she's in it for no reason and i literally mean for no reason the next person that we're going to talk about is bruce davison he's in x-men he's the senator that gets turned into the mutant and then goes through the bars and then he turns into a puddle of water he's also in a movie that I watched randomly a few years back called Itsy Bitsy. It's about a spider, a giant fucking spider that has characteristics of all the spider types, which is kind of annoying. I hate when movies do that. But it's a spider that eats babies. So there's that. It's not very good, but it might actually be worth a watch if you like. It's kind of like Asylum movies, like Camel Spiders, that kind of thing. But just a tiny bit better done than shit like that. Like the CGI actually makes sense most of the time for the spider and they use props and stuff too but i remember one scene the spider tries to attack this little girl 
And this little girl is like out there. I don't know what her deal is in the movie. But it runs at her and it bites through like a piece of wood and it goes, the fang goes through the wood into the little girl's hand and she freaks out and it's like, aww. She just realized that giant fucking murder spiders are bad. But no, it was weird. She acted like she was either mentally ill or they casted too old of a actress for the role and didn't scale it up but it was just kind of weird then we got ken foray who is in one of the most well arguably one of the most influential horror movies of all time he's in dawn of the dead the original dawn of the dead main guy one of the main guys and then he's even in the schneider version of dawn of the dead as a a reverend of some description i believe on the tv talking about i think he reiterates his line of when Hell fills up. The dead will walk the earth. I think he says a different version of that in it. He's also in, I believe, Texas Chainsaw 3, the one with the actual golden chainsaw in it. Uh, He's like a survivalist in that movie. Now, he's also in From Beyond, which is a great movie. And there's a cameo from Barbara Crampton in The Lords of Salem. And both of them are in that movie as, like, main characters. So that's cool. D. Wallace is back because of the howling we talked about a while back. Uh, and, you know, she's in Halloween. She's in Cujo. She's in E.T. She's in tons of shit. But she's always great. Sid Haig is, according to the cast, Sid Haig is in this movie. And he's like the clown from Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses, amongst other things. And I've never met him personally. And he's passed, so I never will. But I've heard stories of people meeting him. And they say nothing but good things about him. Like, he's appreciative of the fans, because that's how he gets to do the thing he likes to do kind of vibe that I get off of people. So, I didn't see him in this movie. He must have been in makeup or something, because when I go through the movie the second time, I'm taking notes, so I'm not distracted by anything else. That's what the first watch is for. And I didn't see him, so he must have been in, like, makeup or just in the background somewhere. Now, this guy, who I'm going to assume is also masked and everything, but it's Michael Berryman. He's the guy on the cover of The Hills Have Eyes. He's one of the bikers in Weird Science when they have that thing going on. But arguably more interesting is he's real good friends with Mick Mars from Motley Crue. He's in their Smoking in the Boys Room music video, but they got along real good and they became actual friends. And Motley Crue's like one of my favorite bands. Mick Mars is one of my favorite guitarists, so that's pretty sweet. And I don't know how many people know that. And there are more people in this movie, obviously, but I don't recognize them. Rob Zombie likes to, like, take people from, like, the stuff he grew up in and put them in his movies. So, like, one of the characters in this movie, I don't know who she is, but if you look at her picture when you look her up, she's dressed up like the Bride of Frankenstein. So I assuming. She played the Bride of Frankenstein way back when, and Rob Zombie was like, hey, want to be in this movie? And she said, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but Rob Zombie likes to do that. It's like, how else do you get D. Wallace and stuff like this? Anyways, this is about Sherry Moon Zombie's character, which I'm just going to be calling her that. Her name's Heidi in the movie. Most of these people are going to be their actual names because there's a lot of characters, and I didn't confuse me. This movie's more like a uh, artistic type of movie so i would advise you to watch it whether i say it's good or bad anyway because i'm not going to be able to point out all of the creepy artful scenes and give you the 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 magnitude or the whatever you want to call it or how powerful it is the visuals with the music through talking 
that would be like if I was doing videos instead of a podcast. But I was running out of options, so I picked this movie. So it's Rob Zombie trying to be artsy. And he succeeds in some parts, and he can't just stop in other parts. Like, towards the end of the movie, it's just this big, long trip like acid trip thing i mean nobody takes acid but it's filmed like an acid trip well would be described as an acid trip i don't actually know what an acid trip feels like but stereotypes um and it's like creepy and all the stuff is culminating into this like the end of the movie everything is being together and it's like this artsy thing with flashes of a bunch of stuff and then just randomly there's a it's not random. He's He was in the movie earlier, but it was one of those characters where it was just to introduce a thing and then kick him out forever. And Rob Zombie's like, no, nope, we're going to put him in makeup and he's going to dry hump Sherry Moon Zombie in the middle of this blah at the end. And it's like, could you not, please? If you're going to have someone dry humper, either make it one of the characters that has been terrorizing her the whole movie or another character... I can't say right now because it would spoil it, but there's other characters... I don't care that she got dry humped, the point is she got dry humped by some dude we saw two seconds of, and he means nothing to the story, basically. Because he shows up at the beginning and at the end. And in, in the beginning, he's there to, like, set up the story, kind of, like, in a way. And at the end, he's there to dry hump Rob Zombie's wife. And that's it. No other purpose. It's weird. So if you don't mind interruptions like that, like music video interruptions, you're probably going to be okay with this movie. Just know that it's more artsy than, like, Halloween or Devil's Rejects or House of a Thousand Corpses. And don't get me wrong, House of a Thousand Corpses was a great Texas Chainsaw-esque movie. Not saying it's bad. I'm just saying if all of your movies are like that, you're bad at making movies. And House of a Thousand Corpses was his first movie, and then he made this one that's different, where you can actually like characters in it, and then all the rest of his movies have basically been House of a Thousand Corpses in different skins. That's my gripe with Rob Zombie. His music? Love it. It's great. So, this movie is about, well, you can guess from the name, they live in Salem. It's probably about witches. And that's all I'm going to tell you about the synopsis, because it's all you really need to know. Would I call this a good movie? I kind of complained about all of the things I would have complained about in this section, like, just a few seconds ago. But I'd say that it's a good movie. Like, Sherry Moon, all of the actors do a great job. Like, it's not that I have a complaint about the movie. Like, as a movie, it's a good movie. As long as you take away all the stupid, like, pointless stuff. And there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's just, like, put in there to shock you. There's a lot of boobs in it. There's dildos in it. I'll explain that later. Way, way later. It's pointless. It's just there to be shocking, but it's there. But it's a depiction of dirty witches. Like, Back in Salem times, and I've met plenty of Wiccans, and uh, all of them seem to be pretty clean. So I don't know about that. Anyway, so it's, all the acting's good. The musical choice is Rob Zombie musical choice, so like, psychedelic stuff mixed with ominous music, because it's a horror movie. So I'd say it's worth a watch if I was saying this objectively. It's, it's worth your time to watch it. Now, me personally, I didn't mind this movie, but I didn't like, love it. It didn't give me, like, a re, like, Rob Zombie knows what he's doing. Because it's kind of formulaic. It's, the outline is formulaic. You can be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what that's going to be. And then it is mixed with some weird visuals. Not the, I mean, I'm all for some weird visuals, but burning witches and all that stuff really isn't my jam. I don't know why witches always have to be depicted as these dirty, nasty things. I don't know. I guess I have a bias. But your stereotypical, like, evil witch, like, 
For example, if you've ever seen The Witch, that kind of witch that lives out in the woods and, he, and she's dirty and she's doing stuff that's unnatural. It's like all of that in your face, several witches all at once. And it kind of just makes all witches in the universe of the movie seem evil to an extent because Satan, I guess, because these are Satan witches, not like Mother Earth goddess witches, but they act like they are sometimes. It's weird. It's disjointed. I get it, though. It's a movie. Now that that weird ramble is over, but even after I say all this, I still think it's worth a watch. I wasn't disappointed that I watched it. Like some of the movies that I watch on here and I just hate them and I want them to go die. This is not one of them. I typically hate Sherry Moon Zombie when she's in stuff because she annoys the shit out of me with her stupid fucking voice. In this movie, she's fine. Actually, she's more than fine. She didn't annoy me at all. It's not like she was doing stupid shit. It's just shit happened type of situation. But that's enough of this. We're going to go to the overview now. As you can tell, I'm kind of conflicted on this movie because I can't give you a straight answer. But I think me liking it is better. Me liking it is winning out over this is bad is what I'm trying to get at. I could just have a bias against Rob Zombie. That's also a thing that could be a thing. So it's worth watching. All right, overview now. I will have a disclaimer here, and the disclaimer is there are so many things that pop up in the background, like a creepy thing here, a creepy thing there. This shot is ominous. Like, that happens throughout the whole entire movie, and I'm not gonna... This is why I wanted y'all to watch the movie, because I cannot convey her walking through a hallway being creepy, other than she walks through the hallway and it's creepy. And it's kind of just not worth saying, but it's worth experiencing. All right, on to the overview, for real this time. I know I said it like two or three times already. So we open up on uh, Moon looking strung out, or maybe just, she could have just been drunk. But we learn later that she used to be, well, my mom and my brother and me decided that she was on crack because of later things that happened in the movie. So we're just going to say she's on crack. But she's recovering. She's She's supposed to be clean from the start of the movie, so I think she's just tired or just drunk or something in this like quick flash then we go back in time and uh this guy named hawthorne is writing in a a, writing a diary or a journal or something about these witches and hawthorne the name hawthorne is important and these witches are like i said naked old dirty dancing around doing ritual stuff after we see this scene moon is in her bed alarm clock goes off she gets up and she's groggy as shit so i think she went drinking last night i think that's what all of that conveyed. She walks out of her room. She lives in a hotel or whatever. Apartment building. Sorry. And she sees a dark figure in room five. Doesn't say anything. Just slams the door. The lady that runs the apartment complex is like, yeah, nobody is in room five. What are you talking about? So she's hallucinating already. That's good. Then we fast forward to she's a radio host with Ken Foray and this other guy that is totally in 31, I think, but I've only ever seen him in Rob Zombie stuff, so his name's going to be called Other Guy in this review, because I think his name is Whitey, and I don't want to say that a thousand times. They're listening to this real dark metal, and they're just playing it because this guy came in, and he's like, yeah, our band's name is Leviathan, and I want to spread the word that Satan was good and God is evil, but he says it way more vulgar than I just did. Then the show's over, going home, and before they leave the radio complex, a strange box with a record in it is signed to Sherry's, to Sherry. So she picks it up and Moon and other guy start partying, like after work partying at Sherry's house or Sherry's apartment. They start playing the record and it is super fucking ominous music. It's kind of droney though. That's This is just a side critique. A really short set of notes 
played over and over and over again, so it drones after a while. It affects Sherry negatively. She's visibly messed up because of this. And she gets flashes of whether it's a sacrifice from back then. Meg Foster is the leader of the witches back then. She's naked a lot in this movie. Or it was them trying to birth Satan because a baby comes out and then Meg Foster licks it and it's like, you taste bad. And I don't know if this baby is the thing later in the movie or not. When we get to it, I'll talk about it. Then we move on to an AA meeting. So this is where we learn that Sherry has a past addiction or present addiction, however you word that properly. We jump back to the radio show. Bruce's character is there. He has a book and he's trying to find out the truth about the Salem witch trials because they all are from Salem. And they play the ominous record over the air. Hypnotizes pretty much every woman that hears it except Sherry. She just gets a real bad headache and starts looking like shit. This is where we get our Barbara Crampton cameo because she gets hypnotized. And they just stand still. They don't do anything at this point. This makes Bruce want to investigate the music, where it came from and all that stuff. She gets back home. Her landlady and her two friends, which is Dee Wallace, are like, how about you have some tea with us? And she's like, no, I I don't want to. And then they're like, you should definitely have tea with us. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, so that's the current coven of witches. So the current coven of witches, like I said, you can pick this shit out real easy. It's not a very, I don't know, this movie's not super thought-provoking because you just know everything that's going to happen, kind of. Except for the end. The end is kind of weird. One of the ladies does a poem reading and she takes it too fucking far, which freaks out Sherry, which would freak out anybody, to be honest. I'd have been freaked out by that, and that kind of shit doesn't bother me at all. She got real intense. Plus, these three women are, like, really intimidating. It's not like they're old women. Uh, Sherry goes to sleep, but she wakes up at five in the morning. Her dog is scratching at room five's door. She goes and gets the dog, puts it in her room, but then the door, door five, opens up. Sherry's drawn to it. There's, like, a red light. She goes in. The door shuts by itself. There's a neon cross on the wall. And she gets hypnotized by it. A figure that we joked about the first time we watched it, called it a werewolf, but it's probably supposed to be Satan, is watching her. And she flashes of witches trying to get... Witches being with Satan. Dr. Satan! Uh, sorry. Other Rob Zombie movie, get out of my head. And then when she leaves the room after she's been hypnotized, because nothing bad happens, it's just she's stuck there. She hears talking in her head. It's Meg Foster appears to her, hallucination-wise, and tell her that she needs to... You need to give birth to Satan's child on Earth, is what she's getting at. Then Sherry just wakes up like nothing ever happened. She goes on a walk with her dog, and she ends up at a church. Now, this preacher guy goes into this, like, this sermon about how she's evil, and since she's a witch, even though she's not really a witch, she's the whore of Satan, and then, you know, forces her to uh, blow him. And then, and the preacher's actually a nice guy, and is just trying to help. She pieces the fuck out, because she's like, what? Nope, gone. So, I didn't explain that point properly. What I meant was, she had a hallucination that the preacher was evil, but he was just trying to help, and she's having none of that. And this man in a mask that resembles a movie she was watching earlier, but it's a guy with a mask, and uh, this other guy has like a stylized mask, but it resembles him, and he's really ominous looking, and he's got a goat on a leash, so we know that he's a bad guy, because goats are the devil, damn it. They couldn't just be farm animals, they're the devil, damn it. Then we cut to Bruce, he's reading a book that has Hawthorne's journals in it, and it shows the depiction of Hawthorne burning the coven of witches, Meg's coven and he notices some notes at the bottom of one of the pages like music notes and he has his wife played on the piano and it's the exact same thing on the record 
And he thinks it's weird, and she's like, no, people do that kind of shit all the time. Which is true, except for the fact that this music makes every woman that hears it super uncomfortable. I don't know if there's any music out there that does that, but hey. But it matches, and it's creep, or it's weird. They play the record again because... At the radio show because the band, the Lords, event coming up. So they got free tickets to give away. So they play the record to promote that. And this makes uh, Sherry get real sick. It's like throwing up. She gets more visions and it's not good. This is when she just breaks down. Like she's mentally screwed at this point. We let that sit and go back to Bruce. And he meets up with the guy that wrote the book. We learn that Meg cursed all the women of Salem, and Hawthorne's blood will be the rise of Satan. She's talking to other guy about how the record is fucking with her, and then she coughs up blood. And this is a trippy scene where those masked guys, they're in, like, surgery scrubs, and they knock out other guy, take out or put in this tentacle monster in her stomach. I've seen the movie twice, and I can't, it's hard to tell if they put something in her or took something out of her, or both. It's a weird scene of creepy grossness. And then you don't even know if other guy is still alive for the longest time. And he doesn't just get hit in the back of the head knocked out. Like, his eyes turn white like he's dead, and fuck, passes out. And that's just a little bit too much for Sherry Moon, because she goes straight back to crack. She goes and gets, um, she smokes it, and she's fucking drifting and the coven comes up and it's like you need to have tea with us so they come in and they're just like facilitating the bad stuff that's about to happen bruce sees that uh, sherry and hawthorne are related obvs totally because why the hell would she be the main person they're trying to fuck with if she wasn't going to be the one that births it so we knew that already then bruce gets worries calls sherry frankenstein witch picks up the phone and is like you have the wrong number don't ever call back bye click which is super fucking suspicious. You could just say she was like ill or out or you're watching the dog. You could have made something up that would have made him not suspicious anymore, but they didn't. So they wheel cracked out Sherry in front of door five and they do chants and they draw symbols and she gets pushed through. And now it's a big giant ass fucking regal ass church, gigantic church. And this mini Satan dude that may or may not be the child from the vision from earlier, I, I don't know, but it's a deformed little guy that has tentacles and uh, shoots out the tentacles and they don't like, it's weird because you would think if he has two tentacles that they would shoot into her in a way that would impregnate her, but she just has them in her hands and is like seizing. It's really weird. So I don't know if that impregnates her or what happens. It's just, it's, it's weird that she was grabbing onto his tentacles. Later, we see her passed out on the bed and uh, mini Satan is uh, standing at the bed. So I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, there was a Satan rape that happened. She's probably pregnant now. Then Bruce comes over to talk to Sherry and the coven intimidates the fuck out of him in this long, long scene and then fucking kill him. And it's sad because Bruce was pretty sweet in this movie. Like, he's just a nice guy trying to help. He wasn't trying to fuck anybody. He wasn't trying to do anything. And I mean both ways of fuck somebody because it's a Rob Zombie movie. He's just trying to be a nice guy and help her out. And they fucking killed him. Then we see Sherry Moon with her panties pulled down, or, well, her night shorts pulled down. So I'm going to say she definitely, 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 definitely got raped by some kind of version of Satan. Then they go to the music thing. Sherry shuts the door on Ken, Foray, and other guy. Like, to keep them out, because she loves Whitey, other guy, and she's friends with Ken. And she knows bad things are about to happen by this point. So she's like, bye guys, slams the door on them so they don't get affected by this fluster cluck. 
of a thing that's about to happen. The present day coven says some chanting shit, and then all the old witches that got burned appear on stage, and it's this big production. This is where the rocker guy comes in for no fucking reason at all to dry hump Cherry Moon Zombie. But everything else, except for the red dildos that I'm about to talk about in a second, I'll give the red dildos a pass. The rock guy was stupid. But we got all these witches being naked, these guys in those masks sitting on chairs, jerking off red dildos that are in the place of their dick, because Rob Zombie probably would have loved to show dudes jerking off in this movie as an artistic choice. And somebody was like, yeah, you can't, because this is a movie, not a porno. And he's like, well, I guess I'll get red dildos, and that'll work, I guess. (laughs) Sherry bursts a baby, and then the movie ends. Satan was born, and it's over. And other than the rocker dude, this end chunk was, like, right in the artistic wheelhouse of Rob Zombie. Like, dildos make sense, because he would have rather had dudes jerking off. I know that he would, because it's Rob Zombie, for Christ's sake. But he probably couldn't, because of movie restrictions. So he had to make something distinct enough to not be considered a penis. Red dildos, good deal. But that's it. The Lords of Salem won, because the Lords of Salem were Meg Foster's coven. And they came back at the end, and they birthed their god, who is everybody else's Satan, if you believe in religion. So, once again, I will say, it's totally worth a watch. But if you're into Salem or the the Wiccan way of life, it's going to probably piss you off if you're one of those kind of people that get pissed off when your thing is depicted completely and utterly wrong. But if you can just shut that side of your brain off and just watch the movie knowing that this isn't how it's really supposed to be, you probably find some enjoyment, especially if you like, you know, movies made on drugs. Because I feel like Rob Zombie's earliest movies were basically just a drug trip that he put on the screen. I wish I could show you or get you to understand some of the scenes in the movie, but me talking about it will never do it justice. Go watch it. Judge it on your own. But this one wasn't a negative. I would say this one's better than most of his other movies, but I'm not a super big fan of the Fireflies like everybody else is. So you'll probably like this one less, I'd assume. If you liked Devil's Rejects and you think that's a great movie, this is like the opposite of that. It's artistic. Most of the characters are likable. Some of the unlikable characters you think are likable at first, and then there's a switcheroo and all that stuff. So it's like... Totally different movies. But enough about that. This podcast episode is over. I have no idea what I'm going to watch for next week. Check my stupid Twitter throughout the week if you want to know. Early. Anyways, if you like the intro and outro, hit up the description. Have a good week. This has been Brian from Naja Reviews. Bye.